what those executives dream about out there behind their desks? They dream they're great rollerballers. Yeah. They dream they're Jonathan. They have muscles. They bash in faces. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we're back following up on a request that we got from Twitter from Michael Simshauser. And that is Rollerball from 1975, kind of a classic dystopian film. And uh, we will discuss how classic we think it is. But it was based on also a lesser known short story called Rollerball Murder by William Harrison, who wrote the story and the screenplay. And we will also do a little bit of discussion about the 2002 remake film. (laughs) <laughs> and where it ranks in the worst films of all time. I think a lot of our discussion might come from the 2002 remake film, yeah, it might. just because it's going to be fun to blow up. <laughs> yeah, that will be good. So, um, thank you, Michael, by the way, for the suggestion. And if you are out there and you would like to send us a suggestion for something that we should cover, then you can go up to our website at pavementpodcast.com or find us on Facebook. That's a good place to do it, or Twitter. Right. And both of those are pavement podcast so facebook.com slash pavement podcast and at pavement podcast on twitter so we got our short story rollerball murder by william harrison mm-hmm. in 19 written in 1970 published in esquire magazine originally yes originally right and then it looks like there was we did a, not find it in esquire magazine that is true yeah <laughs> and actually in going back and forth with with michael on um, twitter i think he said that he thought the original version was somewhat different from what ended up um, being the version that we we read this oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. That almost makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm kind of curious because there was a... William Harrison published a, mm-hmm. a book of short stories right. that was titled Rollerball Murder and other stories. Right. And we never did get that, did we? We didn't get that one. Oh, I got okay. I got Year's Best Science Fiction, 1973. I, I thought you had yeah, yeah. found in... Um, and so I'm assuming that's that? as close as you can get to the original. Right, it was right. an anthology. That's anthology, for, yes. Yeah. Thank you. But we also found that there's a PDF version of it, and I will put a, a link up on the website. And if you want to read right. it and tell us if we missed something, um, you can. So basically what's going on in the story is you have uh, John E., Jonathan E., famous rollerballer. I mean, the story is mostly about a dystopian future and where the governments don't really exist anymore. It's been taken over by corporations mm-hmm. worldwide. Uh, we have like five or six major corporations, such as energy, transportation, food. It's luxury. Luxury, right. And they rule the world. And they have uh, this new blood sport called Rollerball mm-hmm. uh, to entertain the masses. And... Jonathan E is the most famous. You said that. Yeah. Jonathan E is the... Yeah, he's the Rollerballer, right? The most famous guy. Mm-hmm. He becomes so famous, in fact, that I think the corporations see him as a threat um, to their rule, kind of, sort of. Because I think Rollerball was meant to be a sport that's so violent, so bloody... So harsh on people that they can't last that long in it. So that so right. I got a high turnover. Except for you got this guy, Jonathan E., who's been in like 10 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. And holds and a bunch of records. Holds a bunch of records, holds a bunch of prestige. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got his, he's at his ranches across the world, his houses across mm-hmm. the world, right? Yeah, he lives like he's a high level bureaucrat. Yeah, he lives, he lives like he's an executive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, I think it threatens the, the corporate regime. They're, they're afraid that he might lead some sort of rebellion or something. Um, and it doesn't really seem like he's inclined to do that for a while. I mean, like he doesn't have a very rebellious past, it appears. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, in the short story, 10 years after he's been rollerballing, uh, he becomes interested in learning more, reading, etc. And yeah. that becomes difficult because there are no more books. Everything's in databases across, or in Washington, D.C., apparently. Yeah, and tightly <laughs> controlled. Right. And summarized. Right. By a, by a computer that doesn't want to tell you everything. Well, that's not in the story. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah. I mean, but, the, the basic story is you have the sport called Rollerball, mm-hmm. and I guess, I guess I already kind of said that. That, that yep. is the basic story. Yeah, yeah there's a dystopia, so. and Rollerball is the entertainment, and Jonathan right. E is the best at it. And the sport starts becoming more violent, and right. and he's getting tired. So, And then there's, there's some slightly different themes that are brought out in, in the film. The original yeah, film. that about sums up the short story mm-hmm. as far as themes go. Um, they, they, the theme of him still kind of representing some sort of rebellion is kind of there. They're, they're, yeah, I'm not sure it's so much there in the story. <clears throat> not as much it's as, definitely as in, there the, in movie. the movie. 
but they're they're constantly trying to exert their control. Uh, take his um, his love life, for instance, right? If you want to call it that, they're 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 rotating out his women, right? His uh, yeah, yeah. his lovers. They're not letting him keep one woman too long. Yeah, um, though he he kind of wistfully remembers being married and and losing her, right? And the movie has, I think, a slightly different take on how that happened. But we can talk about that as we get to it, right? Yeah, either way, it's it was corporate uh, controlled, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the point. Um, they're they're like they're exerting their control. Like we can control you in this aspect. So there's there's not a lot of plot to the story. It's a series right. of vignettes. It's almost it almost reads like diary entries where yeah. he does mm-hmm. he sleeps with this woman. He goes through this. He goes through this battle uh, with another corporation and beats them. They change the rules to make it harder and harder and harder. They're trying to convince him to retire. Uh, he wants to read books. They won't let him. There's right. no point to it. In fact, I have a hard time pulling out some of these themes that we've been reading about online. About yeah. you know, he's the he's the hero of individualism because he's got well, nothing. I think, I think the movie did that. The, the, the movie develops the story. Yeah, better. the movie develops yeah. the story much better. It ta- it takes the the series of random thoughts that the short story appears to be, and kind of congeals it into something more cohesive and drying very slowly in the process. Yeah, I was like going to say, not, not very coherently. But. <laughs> but then it sprinkles in this other crap, like yeah. the people shooting the six uh, yeah. trees all in a row, yeah. and yeah, the drug use. We'll get back to that. Yeah, I, God. yeah I the think story, that was a bit metaphorical. I, I think I remember but. saying to you guys, the, the story reads like scenes from a story. Right. Like like if So it's 16 pages, I think it was, in, in the hardcover Something version like that, that I got. Yeah. And I felt like if you expanded it out to 40 you might have been able to make a more coherent story of it. Or if he chopped it down to four. Yeah, so like eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one told the whole story in just a couple pages. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so the story grew on me the more I read it. I read it two or three times. I read the PDF or the EPUB version, and I also read the hardcover one a couple times. But then I also listened to the audio version a couple times that Michael had uh, had linked. I don't know if you ever did that. I did not. But I felt the, the performance in there of the narrator was really good, and it brought more atmosphere to it. And I think there there might have been some, some music cues in it as well. But just just the sort of the fact of the game being everything to to Jonathan right. was, was really – it seemed like it was brought out more – in the audio version, even though the words were the same. So <laughs> it just, crazy. it benefited from that performance, I think. So okay. I'd, so I'd recommend that if you, in fact, I would say rather than reading this, go listen to the audio version. And that's probably going to be your best experience of the story. Huh? Interesting. It's crazy. Or a much better edited version of the seventies film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we will come back to that. Um, <laughs> I liked Emily's comment during the movie, which we'll, we'll talk about. Yes. Anything else to say about the story? It's difficult to find. It is, mm, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll put the ISFDB link up in in the show notes, so if anybody wants to find where you can where you can get this, and you know, it's in the year's best sci- science fiction, which you can find on eBay and Amazon and that kind of stuff. I got it from Interlibrary Loan, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no no copy of William Harrison's stuff in our library system that I could find. No, of course, well, I'll also put the PDF. That we right. found. It, it was evidently being taught in a course someplace because it was a university website that had that that uh, PDF oh, yeah. version. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, and it was embedded in a blog post about it, about and how it's such a classic, <laughs> uh, the movie, the nineteen seventy five movie. And maybe this is the time when we, well, let's let's talk about our overall thoughts about the story. Yeah, do we recommend it? What do you think? Uh, nah, meh, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, I, 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 no. Yeah. So I, I kind of I would lean... recommend the, the 70s movie over the short story. Okay. I guess. I would say I, I would recommend the story just because the, the commitment for it is low enough that it might be worth reading. But you'd listen to it rather than read it. I would. Right. Yeah. 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 Though, you know, if someone wants so to I'd read say it, listen to it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the movie, yeah, like you mentioned, the movie kind of tends to consolidate some of the things, right. some of the issues and the, the plot lines. But, boy. The, the written, the story is disjointed to the point that it doesn't it's not unreadable or anything it's no, just it's kind of hard to tell what the point is yeah you know you read it you know, i was just kind of like okay and, and now i have read it right. and yeah i'm i'm 
at first I wondered, you know, am I missing like cultural cues or uh, a context or, you know, didn't pick up a meme or a, a theme in the book that I should have that, you know, someone in the seventies might've immediately picked up. Um, so yeah, you know, here we are 40 years later <laughs> and I, I right. wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. But then you mentioned, right. The you, listening to it seemed to bring out more of it. Yeah. I was looking for, you had sent out a, um, I think you had sent out an email or a text or something like, I read Rollerball and it's the biggest piece of crap I've ever read. <laughs> yeah. Your initial impression was not real good. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> because it was like, it was like, a, like you said, a dare, uh, diary. And we should talk about Jonathan as a hero. He's not your standard kind of hero. No, he's uh, the anti-hero. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he yeah, can't exactly. read. He would like to learn how to read, but the corporate people won't let him because they control the books. Right. Uh, his wife either left him because of the game or was taken away by the corporate because, you know, she was valued mm-hmm. too much to put to him. He's, he's the bastard child of an executive. He doesn't even have a last name. All mm. he has is this game. Right. And because they don't want him in the game anymore, they're going to change the rules to try and get rid of him and kill him. He has, he's got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and the short story seemed like they were amping up the violence to try and kill him in particular. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the, the movie didn't really seem that way. Didn't seem quite so personally right. attacked at him. Yeah, yeah. When it, when it when it came to the amping up the no rules and no holds barred type thing. Hey, yeah. let me. Uh, you you mind if I read an excerpt? No, I actually put an excerpt in my notes because I thought I thought it was interesting and it was one of the kind of the things on the audio that stuck out to me. Okay, and so I went and found it in the in the PDF. So this is where Mister Bartholomew comes to him and asks him how he's feeling. And he says, feeling mean, I answer, so that he smiles. He tells me they want to do a special on Multivision about my career, lots of shots on the side screens showing my greatest plays and the story of my life, how energy takes in such orphans. I should clarify that energy is the corporation. Right. Gives them work and protection and makes their careers possible. Really feeling mean, eh? Mr. Bartholomew asks again, and I answer the same. Not telling him all that's inside me, because he would possibly misunderstand. Not telling him that I'm tired of the long season, that I'm lonely and miss my wife, that I yearn for high, lost, important thoughts, and that maybe, just maybe, I've got a deep rupture in the soul. So there's some wistfulness in there that is interesting. But that didn't come out in the movie. It did not come out in the movie. So why don't we transition to talking about that? Yeah. So the movie came out in 1975. The screenplay was written by the same guy that wrote the short story, William Harrison. Uh, it starred James Kahn uh, as Jonathan E. and Mr. Houseman as essentially, you know, the executive of energy. Bartholomew. Yeah. Bartholomew. And Octopussy. And Maude Adams as his <laughs> ex-wife. Right. Right? Yeah. And so... And Princess Ardala is one of his concubines. Yeah. Pamela Hensley. Pamela Hensley. Yeah. Pamela Hensley. Yeah. Yeah. Major figure in my childhood. Yes. Yeah, who very quickly gets <laughs> left behind because she's not Ella, not his wife. Right. Um, uh, you know, she has to leave or he wants her to leave and he's not even going to say goodbye. Um, Jonathan E. as a character is just kind of washed out. Right. He's, he speaks in a very soft, monotone voice all the time. Yeah, he mumbles. He doesn't get a lot lines. of excitement. Even when he says he's feeling mean. There's not a lot of intonation in mm-hmm. the movie. <laughs> yeah, the most animated he got, and I think one of the better scenes in the movie is the one where he's kind of teaching the recruits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In um, the game. Yeah. And right. so one thing that I'll say is the story is, I'm not sure how you would define it. It's definitely dystopian, where you can look at Rollerball 1975, the movie, as a sports movie. And judging it on that, yeah. I, I found on the internet, lots of people think it's just a tremendous sports movie. Hmm. But I think... Yeah, if you trimmed 40 minutes, it would be a, a more formula right. sports movie. Does trimming 40 minutes make it as long as a Twilight Zone episode? No. Um, <laughs> more trimming. I, I, said, I said to my wife after we watched it, I said, I felt like that was a 80-minute movie crammed into two hours. Right. Yeah, it had an extra 40, I do agree with the, the sports movie idea, though. I, th- I think it makes it... I like how it well, was more of a sports movie than its, its remake. For sure. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, what what I would say is the parts of the movie that really worked for me are the actual rollerball scenes mm-hmm. because it's kind of clear right. what's going on. You see the, how brutal the sport is, right? Um, and it, it's just sort of interesting. Well, it's 1970s violence, though. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to compare this to the violence that we watch in movies nowadays, it's not really there. No, it's pretty tame. Yeah, I mean they yeah. they are sitting there with red colored corn syrup on their faces, and that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you don't you don't see the death blow most of the time, right? And and I mean until you see the was it the Japanese team pull a moon pie's helmet off? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's straight from the book, right? You know mm-hmm. that once you lose your helmet, you're right. going to die. Yeah. You know. Um, although one thing I wish they'd kept from the book in the movie was the idea of shooting the balls at the people. Right. And they, the only way they make a nod to it is that sometimes they'll take the helmet off a player and drag them up to the top of the rink. Into the gutter. Into the gutter mm-hmm. where the ball's going to roll. And then, of course, yeah, you'll know, thud. Yeah. yeah. Somebody gets you know, head whacked. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. The game is described in the book in quite a bit of detail. Yeah. And there are definitely some changes between the book and the movie in terms of the rules, how you score. Mm-hmm. Because there's no sense in the book of using the ball to score. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in a sports movie, you need to have, you need to be, be able to be clear when the scoring happens. Right. And, and having a ball in play that gets put into a goal, that's easy for the audience to tell. Yeah, you go to the, the triangle-shaped playing field with you and your buddy Starbuck, and, right. no, I actually wrote down at the top here Rollerball is Quidditch Rollerball. Right. Well yeah so you've got a bunch of motorcycle riders mm-hmm. A bunch of roller skaters yep. uh, And then runners In the, in the, in the book, in the book there are yeah, runners, runners as well In the movie there wasn't any yeah. runners it was, all, it was all wheeled Yeah. yeah. So. And you lose points if the runners get ahead of you In the loop In the story in I the guess story, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You gain points by, by it, it looked like you had to lap them Essentially, yeah, right. Um, but and and the the bike can tow them and stuff. I don't, I don't want to get. I don't into know. It. I like the way they did. The, I like the way they did the sport in the 1970s. Yeah, I thought they cleaned movie. it up. They made it. They made it clear and made it yeah. kind of interesting to watch. Right. Um, one other thing about the movie that is distinctive is the music. The soundtrack is. Yeah. It's kind of eclectic because it starts off with Toccata and Fugue, which is this famous organ mm-hmm. piece. Um, and I'll put a cut in it right here, or I, I'll put it at the top of the podcast. Um, but it's extremely noticeable. I mean, uh, right. recognizable. You would. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I knew what that was. You just wouldn't necessarily know it was Toccata and Fugue from Bob. And then all of a sudden you have the party music. <laughs> yeah, you have the electronica kind of <laughs> music. Was, and then in all the kind of wistful scenes, you have Albanoni's Adagio, which is, mm-hmm. it, to me, that's one of the most beautiful pieces of music. Um, and I'll put a, a link to like a YouTube or something so people can go appreciate that because it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. It was one of my dad's favorites. So, so it has some personal meaning to me. But yeah, that then there's yeah. the weird. I don't kind know, of I enjoyed the classical music bit, and I, I I thought the music choices that they made set the mood pretty well. Yeah, they did make it seem kind of dark and mm-hmm. dystopian, like something weird was going to happen. You know. Yeah. Well, so the book kind of presents a dystopia, and I feel like the movie is mm-hmm. more dystopia by way of utopia, where they say that right. that there's no more hunger. It's a post scarcity society, right. and they're entertained by gladiators essentially and so it's kind of a throwback to rome or mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing yeah um but it, you know but there's different kinds the, of dystopias right the, the line from the the corporate guy right we'll take we'll take care of you whatever you need as long as you do exactly what we say yeah <laughs> yes you have complete freedom yeah. as long as you obey everything we say right yeah. as long as you don't want to learn how to read or mm-hmm. learn to, or try to change your status right or want your wife back although in the end they do give him his wife back for three days mm-hmm I did like that um, pep talk that Bartholomew gave the uh, the Houston team because that's that's consistent between the story and the, and the movie is that it's the Houston team that Jonathan E is on and he came in and said you know what do you think all these executives dream, right. daydream about they daydream about being rollerballers right right it was um, a pretty good speech yeah, yeah it was he, sure. he, yeah. he was telling them what they needed to hear yeah. and then he drugs them it was enough bait yeah that's right he handed out the uh, the magic yeah. mints yep it reminded me of Soma <laughs> from. Uh, Oh, Brave New totally. World. Yeah. yeah. More about the movie. More about the movie. Man, all my notes about the movie are kind of like compared to the remake. <laughs> yeah. So we should point out. So way back in episode number two, when we covered Planet of the Apes, um, we decided to throw in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Colin didn't have a chance to right. watch it before we recorded. Mm-hmm. That is the only time that we have not all watched movie and remake. And this time it was deliberate because I watched it and I, I met with Colin and James and we went for a run and I'm like, um, so that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Although, though, like I was reluctant to spoil it and to, to set 
that expectation with you guys, but I just couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. And so I handed it off to James and he and his wife watched it and she texted me during the movie and like, we cannot make Colin watch this. I want to claw my eyes out. (laughs) When I came over so we could do the watch of the original movie altogether, Mm -hmm. she said she would rather get a rollerblade to the face and watch that movie over again. And she did not say it with a smile. She was dead serious. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was the, it was out of order though, because I watched the 2002 one before the 1975 film and so did James. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I liked about this 1975 movie was that it, it did seem like it was about the game. Yeah. Like you said, it was a sports movie. Mm-hmm. Right, you could see it as a sport. It, it, I think it made a decent sports movie besides well, the they did a decent slow, job boring of, parts of it. They did a decent job of tying in the whole, you know, Mr. Bartholomew said explicitly, right. this game is supposed to suppress individuality. It's supposed right. to show the futility of individual effort. Right. And the fact that Jonathan E. was continuing to excel at it mm-hmm. was something that they didn't like and that's why yeah. they wanted him to retire because and then they amped up the violence and like you were saying earlier right. it's like to turn up the attrition rate so that mm. you couldn't have a 10 yeah, 15 exactly. year star right. because they'd be killed i thought the movie did a pretty good job of explaining the game by way of mm-hmm. game commentary exposition yeah I did, I where kinda, where like it like showed that. that if you're being towed by a by a bike you have to display the ball you have to show that right. you're holding it um, so no, like no, no secret passes of right. it. So anything. people know where the ball is at. And you yeah. could tell what was happening when Moon Pie's hanging up on the rail and he's going to come down and just knock somebody off the bike or whatever. Swoop down yeah. and beat somebody. And like I said, my, one of my favorite scenes was that scene where, where uh, Jonathan is teaching the recruits about, about what to do. And there's the one guy who's not paying attention, yeah. of course. And so, so he gives him a <laughs> totally lesson. Totally punks that dude. Well, well he, tells him, he tells him like all these different options for what they can do. And then the guy comes around and he does something else. And he's like, or oh, you could do that. <laughs> Doesn't the guy try and blindside him and he mm-hmm. still something. takes him out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally does. It's funny. Yeah. There's some subtle, uh, you know, racism in there when they're going to play the Japanese team. And the guy comes in to teach them, to right. tell them about the samurai spirit of the, of the Japanese team. And, and Moon Pie just is like, well, yeah, but they're all short. <laughs> short enough to kill him yeah America. well well he does he, he does say yes oh they may be short but if three of them get together they can be tough to deal with and, and that's what happens it's yeah. three of them that, that strip his helmet off and brain him mm. oh the irony so <laughs> what was it the um as the game gets more violent they they change the rules you know they're mm-hmm. like okay no penalties now right and no then, penalties, then no time limit then, yeah they got to Limited that one substitutions. and they, they, they said they said no penalties not no time limit and emily said just like this movie no time limit <laughs> um because like i said it the movie does feel its length yeah it it, it yeah. is long yeah, it is long laboriously um, long that's what she said had to get yeah. one of those in there yeah they just they just had a lot of, yeah, they just had a lot of slow parts to it for yeah. me, it was the beginning. The beginning was like the first five minutes where they just did nothing. But I, set up I didn't the mind game. the setup because I liked the atmosphere of, of you know kind of showing the the poorly lit, you know the right. the stadium before it was lit up. And then they played it the corporate. Like it kind of dragged on for a bit until they got to the corporate hymn. Yeah, yeah. It was weird though that they played the entire thing. You know, this right. completely unfamiliar music. It's not like they were playing the national anthem. Right. Uh, it's the corporate hymn. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't even know which corporation's hymn it was. Uh, it was an at-home game. It was a home game, right? It was Houston-hosted, so it mm-hmm. must have been. I the- think we can assume it was the energy because there was a different hymn played when they were playing in uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in New York. And, yeah. There were, there were different hymns being played each time. I had meant to look up what the different corporations were. We think there are six of them. Because yeah. at one point, Hausman is having, or Bartholomew is having a meeting with the others. And this right. is where the idea about the real motivation behind rollerball comes out right it's not right, only a game right. for entertainment it's to show that individual effort is useless you know mm-hmm. what i thought was interesting about how they did that is they didn't because i remember i wrote this down i was thinking as they were playing the game um you know it was kind of a, a metaphor for keeping them down suppressing the individual because i was seeing this trend because obviously they were pointing out jonathan e is someone who wasn't supposed to make it that far mm-hmm and then he, and then in that scene where he meets with the other corporate executives, he spells out exactly what the game is for. And I was like, I'm kind of disappointed now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spoon feeding it, to right? You. Yeah, spoon feeding it to the audience. I'm like, seriously? God dang it! <laughs> because that doesn't come out. It doesn't come out of the plot of the movie. It doesn't come out of the plot of the story. You, I don't. But it kind of does. I don't know. It did for me. I never did for me. Yes, but I have superior deductive skills. <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, so, so what I was alluding. Elementary, to... Elementary, dear Colin. Elementary. <laughs> 
<laughs> what I was alluding to earlier was the fact that James and I watched the remake movie before watching the 1975 one. What and, a mistake. I mean, yeah, because, because that 2002 film makes everything else look like Shakespeare. Right. So, it has except a, Catwoman. Yeah. It has a 3% right. rating on Rotten Tomatoes, the 2002 yeah. remake. Yeah. Whereas the um, 1975, 6.6 on IMDb. Man, that movie poster is awesome, though. The movie poster <laughs> is cool because he's, he's got this big, star, uh, gnarly fist up with studs on it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the crazy, whacked out people that shoot trees because they're bored at the bottom right. of it. I want that poster, man. That thing's cool. Does it go for the podcasting room? Yeah, totally. I want it for James's room. Yeah, and, and this is the tagline for the movie. In the not-too-distant future, wars will no longer exist, but there will be rollerball. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about some of the weirder parts. You alluded to the... You, you referenced the weird people shooting trees at a party. There's a party, so, and everyone starts taking drugs, Well, okay. and they end up with a gun, and they take the gun outside, and they learn that it blows up stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there are these six trees, all perfectly in a row, and they shoot the trees one at a time. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why, aside from the fact they're drunk, stoned. Yeah, they, they're, they're they all kind pills. of seem high of some sort, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, and the the party that they were at was the release party for the Multivision special that they made on Jonathan E. That he is supposed to be announcing his retirement during, but wouldn't do it. Right. And I, I never quite understood why he was so reluctant to retire. Well, he had nothing else in his life. Yeah, I guess he didn't that. have his wife. He has, uh, you know, corporation-provided concubines that spy on him, mm-hmm. um, and are supposed to keep him in line and stuff. Uh, but when they want him to retire, he won't retire. Maybe you could say that them blowing up the trees is a a vision of individual resistance to authority because they're you know shooting trees illegally. Except it's not said that it's illegal, right? Yeah. Right. You know, they, they look like little kids that have been caught doing something nasty. Oh, look, we have this gun which blows us up. Well, so it's, oh. a, it's a common kind of sci-fi trope that in utopian societies or post-scarcity societies that people lack meaning. Um, have you ever read Childhood's End? Yes. Because there's definitely that theme in that one. And I, I wondered if this is somehow, it's almost nihilistic and, and, and the people have, they have everything they want. Mm-hmm. But there's something else that they need, and I don't know. Somehow, this thrill-seeking by killing trees, <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping at straws here for meaning to that scene. Oh, there's a quote from Star Trek: The Original Series, mm-hmm. where Kirk is talking to the gamesters of Triskelion and explaining why humans cannot be kept captive. The human drive for exploration right. and accomplishment and adventure and and meaning you know there's some interesting things to the movie it's just it's a little baffling that scene right um i understand looking at um trivia i think it was on imdb that the original screenplay actually called for them to be shooting an animal with the incendiary gun right i'm sure that he means to say it'd be all over that one yeah yeah and that's the thing i i think they either it was in the screenplay and they shot those scenes and then Mm -hmm. didn't play well with a test audience right i i don't remember Right about now, it would be worth noting, or worth knowing, how many uh, corporations there were? Because there were six trees, right? Yeah, and so that, I think we I think there were, we I think there were six that. corporations, six trees, and they're all burning down. I kind of thought it was a meta- metaphor for that, the opportunity of bringing down the corporations. Because it's obvious they feel threatened. Mm-hmm. The Wikipedia page um, says that there's that the corporations are energy- Transport, oh, okay. transportation, luxury, housing, communication, and food. So that is six. six. Yeah. So, so that that very well could be symbolic. Of, that was my thinking of a bit of an uprising, at least in yeah. temperament. I was thinking either that or kind of a a metaphor for John's world, more or less falling apart because they're mm-hmm. trying to kick him out of rollerball. It's all he knows. It's all he wants to do, and they're trying to you know make him retire. He has, obviously doesn't want to. Yeah. And I think it's because it's all he knows. It's all he knows how to do and without it his life has meaning or mm-hmm. no meaning i should say yeah so he had no um, purpose and when they're trying to force him out he basically says well i guess i have leverage then and he wants to see ella his his right. ex-wife and i feel like the movie was more explicit saying that ella left him because the corporation told her to and then she came back to right. see him because the corporation told her to but when they're laying in bed together she said the game was everything to you and there was no room for me yeah, and it's possible that that um, the corporation permitted her to leave. 
because That's she was true. unhappy. And then you had the what the short story. Didn't she leave him for another guy, another executive? Yeah, yeah. she Although did in the movie too. It was from his perspective where uh, they don't really explain her perspective. I guess her side, right? No. From his perspective, he's like, oh, she she left him for another executive because he's you know better, stronger, richer, whatever. Money, probably. But. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those movies which is really intellectual and supposed to spur these conversations so you can talk about the reason why she left her husband. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. Okay. No. Um, so I will say I like some of the art design. It's very 1970s science fiction looking. Right. I liked... Oh, like the buildings and stuff? Yeah, and, and yeah. the weird um, hanging the glass cool. stuff in, yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in Bartholomew's lair. It almost oh, reminded yeah, me of uh, where he well, put his finger on it. It wasn't as good, but it almost reminded me of Darth Vader's little yeah, yeah. layer in, in the Death Star, oh. mm-hmm. where, where it kind of clamshells together. Right. Star Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What? It was a Star Destroyer. That one, Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah, yeah, right, totally. Yeah, um, but but yeah, I did I did sort of like that. I mean, the movie is very much of its time, and we have mm. we have watched a bit of 1970s science fiction, and it's not blowing our doors off. No, no. Um, you know, Death Race 2000. But at least I, I still it was kind of look of, at it fondly. This but. is another another comparison to the remake. At least it was kind of futuristic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Death Race two thousand is a fondly remembered B movie. Yes, this is true. not. No, 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 no. But people seem to respond well to it, so it's not yeah. something that that blew any of us away. I don't away, think but. this is. I think this could be better than a B movie. It's not as no. Yeah, it's not yeah, a B movie. It's, Death Race two thousand was plainly B movie material. Yes, and it was hilarious and awesome. For it, <laughs> yeah, the charm, the charm of it, yeah, was, right, it wasn't right. a low budget. This movie doesn't have that, and I think it, I think it's an okay movie, and it could be a lot better if they had, I don't know, cut some stuff out. Like you said, yeah. it was an eighty minute movie turned mm-hmm. into two hours or whatever. Yeah, and th- yeah, that's, <laughs> I I agree. I think it could have been a better film. Yeah, but I did kind of enjoy it. So right. Though I got bored. I think we're biased because we watched the other one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by comparison, it, it really seems like high By comparison, art. it's yeah. like stellar. <laughs> well, when a movie doesn't lose $50 million for the producers, that's that's somewhat of a selling point. Right. Mm-hmm. So I... I wow. The ending... Let's talk about the ending of the 1975 movie, because it is kind of the bittersweet ending, right? Where the Where it's match, ultra super pixelated... In the the final match, they've removed almost all the rules. The last remaining rule was the time limit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now it's really an... Wait, was it? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. No time limit, no No penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I was saying. The rule was no time limit. That was the last rule. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there were no rules, basically. Yeah. Although they still hold up the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it comes down to Jonathan E., being the last man standing on his team. Everybody else is, is killed right. or incapacitated. Except for two guys on the other team. Yeah. And he he kills one of them to even the odds. Right in front of Bartholomew. Yeah. Right. And then he's about to kill the other guy, and he stops. He but takes he, the ball. He scores the right. only goal in the game. Yeah, wins the game. Wins the game. So he won the unwinnable mm-hmm. game. And and so I feel like there's some element of uprising there. Where he's, well, yeah, and they're he's all proving. chanting his name. Like, their yeah. crowd is going insane. Yeah. So... I I thought the ending was good, yeah. but I think so. But I'm not a I huge fan of the movie. But yeah. yeah. Well, here I'm going to whip out the evil overlord list and try and convince you that the ending <laughs> was really bad. Okay. So here's the scenario: you have the six corporations which run the world, mm-hmm. and they don't want this guy alive anymore. And so the way they're going to do this is, is they're going to change the rules of the game so they can people so people can see him being beat down by the game and reinforce their control over stuff, mm-hmm. right? But the right. real problem is that the guy is alive. Right. And these people control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Bartholomew had said previously that he didn't want him outright killed. He didn't want him assassinated. assassinated. Yeah. That, that, that came out, I mean, for... Yeah, but why? He's, he's, but he's why? saying that one of the evil overlord uh, rules yeah, okay. is when you want somebody dead, make him dead. Right. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the movie, okay. he runs out of the stadium because he, he didn't, might he didn't want him dead, though, right? He just wanted him out of the game. But they're changing the rules anyway. The rule changes weren't for him, though. Well, they, that's the thing. In a sense, I think they were for him because he wasn't retiring. So they're like, "Fine, we're going to kill you off." Yeah, but they had already instituted the rule changes concurrent with wanting him to retire. Concurrent with wanting him to retire. Yeah. That's where that's where I don't see how the rule changes. Yeah, were I think the rule changes were happening to anyway to make the game. Yeah, the rule changes were going to happen anyway. They yeah. might have been inspired by him mm-hmm. a little bit, but I don't think they were for him in particular. Yeah, yeah, but the, and they and they didn't want to just waste him because he was already expected to retire at that little party he had mm-hmm. and didn't 
Yeah. Um, and the world changes were happening anyway. I thought so. it was interesting when he didn't get on the helicopter. Like, like he had a bad feeling about it. Like, okay, yeah, I'm, if I don't right. retire, they're going to crash me in a helicopter. Yeah, a helicopter and make accident. it look like an accident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they don't need to crash him in a helicopter. They own his house. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. You send in a bunch of guys, you kill him, and then you make it look like some crazed fan went in and killed him, his current yeah. concubine, and herself because she couldn't have John, right. Jonathan E. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah, the only reason, the only thing I could see in the movie why they didn't outright kill him is because Bartholomew said he didn't want to. Who knows why he didn't want to? I don't know. He, he might have had a sense that. That right. the public outcry would be too great. Now, yes, they Maybe. control everything, yeah. but having the entire population well, rise up would be good. If you dupe the entire population, which they already kind of have, yeah. Eh, yeah. they only have that one little pop shooter gun to shoot trees. I mean, yeah. right. what kind of a challenge are they? <laughs> yeah. They so, can't even read. I'm not sure yeah. it makes sense, but yeah. it, it, it worked well enough for right. me. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, the, like in the. Like in the second Austin Powers movie. Here, give me the gun. I'll go over there. I'll shoot him. And we'll go yeah. out for ice cream. Yeah. It'll be good times. You and me, Dad. Yeah. Yes. We should we, we should uh, put in the show notes the, the evil overlord rules. Yes. Yes. It's good. good, good they reading. are constantly violated for no, no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Except drama, I guess. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That's pretty drama we violate the overlord rules. Maybe he's Bartholomew's son. And that's why Jonathan? Bartholomew doesn't want him killed. Mm. But that shouldn't make it more important for the other five oh, executives. I like it. That's a good him. theory. Yeah, like they all it. agreed with him. Well, if Bartholomew has enough power to sway them, then hey, that's up to him, right? Yeah. I gathered in that meeting that's though, a good he theory, was though. kind like of holding on. He was trying to say he was in control of the situation, and yeah. he wasn't. Yeah. Right, right. I will say that uh, John Houseman is the one good performance in the movie. Yeah. Why you didn't like James Conn's mumbling? What about Moon Pie? I was going to actually berate him for mumbling, but I can't really. Moon Pie was kind of fun. <laughs> he had a rad mustache. That's true. Yes. Uh, but James Conn, no, I mean, I've seen him in The Godfather and, and in a bunch right. of other stuff, and he's a, he has an intensity to him mm-hmm. that was completely lacking in Rollerball. Yeah. Well, I think that was the point, though. It could have been. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. he was uneducated, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all uneducated yeah. populace. All right. I think we can wrap up talking about the 1975 movie. Um, I give it a thumbs up. You know, yeah. I, it, it's um, in terms of content warning... Is not very bloody. Mm, There's no, very yeah. little language that I remember. No nudity. No nudity. Yeah. Destruction so. of trees. So if you're environmentally friendly, right. you're offended. <laughs> it, it was rated R in 1975 for violence, I guess. Wow. But it, and times have changed. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not Tarantino. You got PG-13 movies there have more violence than that mm-hmm. movie did. And on that subject, <laughs> let's move along to talking about oh, right. the 2002 yes. remake. Now, Colin is um, mostly going to just... Ask us what we hated about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so, no, no. A better question would be, what didn't we hate about it? No, so that's an no, empty that would set. be a horrible well, question. Let me ask, let me ask you guys this. <laughs> Assuming you had watched the, the movies and the, the stories and read the short story in a different order, if you had read the short story and watched the 1975 movie, how much of that remake would you have watched? Would you have watched it end to end or would you have walked out of it? I don't usually walk out. I would I would have finished the movie though. Yeah. I was talking to Eric at church today and he said he started <laughs> watching it and quit. So The only movie I started watching and quit was Catwoman. Wow. <laughs> and so, you watched this instead? Yeah. Right. Hey, dedicated podcaster, right? Yeah. And we, That's dedication. We, we we took one for the team, <laughs> buddy. Um not making you watch it. Yes. So. No, yeah, I yeah, well, and we saved you too. Mm. <laughs> there were other considerations, but so <sighs> It's a frustrating movie because I feel like looking as we have at other remakes and stuff, mm-hmm. there is room in a remake to do a better movie. And you could have right. made a better movie than the 1975 one. Mm-hmm. But even if you weren't going to make a better movie than the 1975 one, you could have made an entertaining movie. Right. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. You could have made one that was entertaining just for how bloody it was. Didn't do that. It, so I think one thing that I said to you guys was, it, it is like a low-budget movie, but with none of the charm of a low-budget No, no, the best, thing you, the best thing you said dollars. about that movie to us was the 1975 film had problems. The 2000 mm. film was is, a problem. Yeah, yeah. was a problem. <laughs> yeah. So here, in reference, Catwoman is 9%. I know, it did Rotten better Tomatoes. on Rotten Tomatoes. You, yes. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, what's Batman and Robin? Because that's, that's my high bar for, for bad movie. Have you not watched Catwoman? <laughs> no, I have not seen Catwoman. <laughs> that's eleven percent. I would wow. not recommend it, but anyway. Yeah. Now, so that's that's by critics. Maybe audience ratings would be slightly different. Who knows? Probably not. Um, so the one thing I noticed about the seventy-five film versus the two thousand two film was that it was about the game. Yes. It started off with the game, 
and the game happened quite frequently throughout the movie. And I think in the 75 film, it was very clear what the game was. You could see the course. Everything was open. Mm-hmm. I think they did a better job of making it a sports film. Yeah. And the 2002 film, they effed that all kinds of up. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like it was influenced by kind of the emergence of extreme sports and the X Games right. and that kind yeah. of stuff. And so they added like a half because they started sort of off with that. They started element. off with the skateboarding down San Francisco, yeah, thing, street luge in San Francisco, which made no sense for the film. Yeah, that would have been a kind of a cool uh, little X U- like a YouTube video or mm-hmm. something. Well, so <laughs> the thing about the 2002 film is it is a failure on. By Multiple every metric. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you look at acting. Chris Klein, yeah. absolutely brutal <sighs> in this. And I'm, I need to put in a clip here of him when he gets in the car with yeah. Ridley, with LL Cool oh, J. Right. And he says, what are you doing here, man? It is good to see you. <laughs> it's like the most robotic line reading that I've ever heard. Right. And I, I felt he like... He had a D in the Keanu Reeves School of Acting. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what uh, Bill Simmons said in that. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to the sports guy oh, from, really? from ESPN. <laughs> he totally reminded me of Keanu Reeves, only worse. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was Keanu Reeves without horrible. the charisma. So Yeah. How the hell are you doing? I'm good. How I'm long good. have you been back, bro? Three weeks. Spent it with my kids. I miss them when I'm over there. I'll bet. Well, why don't you bring them back? Looks like you can afford it. Look at all these baubles. Yeah. Um, mm. But then directing, and this is the shocker, because this is John McTiernan. This is a guy who did Predator. No, this who is did the shocker. Die Hard. <laughs> did, did Die Hard. I mean, these are Pantheon right. action movies, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is just, I mean, it's such Brutal. a turd. So then you know, I think the question needs to be asked, what happened? You think it's the screenplay? I, mean, I don't know, because it, it was not a tiny budget either. It was a $75 million no. budget, $80 million budget. Yeah, and it only made $20 million in the theaters. Yeah. Right. That's brutal. It lost. <laughs> well, so, I, think, uh, I think Klein might have been a problem. Yes. He is not. Rebecca Romaine mailed it in, too, and, and had that right. weird accent. Yeah. And That's then, funny, though, because they had, they seemed to have well-known actors anyway. Yeah, because he had John Renault. He's not right. unknown. Yeah, yeah that old Cool J was a known rapper, actor, guy. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Romaine should have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it wasn't A-list, though. I mean, no, yeah. nobody on there was an A-lister. Maybe Jean True. Reno. Maybe Jean Reno. But he's more known internationally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His accent, what the so, okay. heck was that? <laughs> now, so one, one good example of a remake that I enjoyed, Colin, I don't think you enjoyed it as much as I did, was the Death Race remake. It was, okay, here, let's take mm. a low-budget dystopian classic from the 70s and make right. a 2000s era action movie out of it we're going to amp up the gore a little bit we're going to you know make more awesome cars and stuff mm-hmm. turn it into almost a video game and right. make it sort of a prequel so you can kind of look at it in the same universe with with death race 2000 right i liked that i you know it was it was a serviceable movie it didn't bother me where this one, I felt like, okay, it's sort of presenting itself as a prequel because it's set in modern times. Right. As far as you know, it's either yeah, it doesn't now seem, or very near future. It doesn't seem future at all. Yeah. Futuristic. I mean... So actually, they don't establish a dystopia. Yeah. Emily pointed this out. She, she's like, I don't see how this movie's sci-fi at all. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're right. <laughs> yeah, because it's not even really... There's no dystopia. There's no, yeah, other no dystopia, than no Kazakhstan or wherever it is, is the right. dystopia. Uzbekistan or whatever. No more than current day Middle East problems we have yeah. already. Yeah, so they didn't really establish the universe in which Rollerball becomes no. popular and lucrative. Because right. because the Jean Reno character was talking about how he was going to get an American t- cable TV deal. And I'm like, how are you making money without the American TV deal now? Right. Because... Yeah. Yeah. European yeah. cable deal. Yeah, I guess. Or, eh, nah, they not, don't not have TV really, over no. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Unless you're in soccer, if, that's about it. <laughs> I wonder if Death Race was a better movie... So the Death Race remake mm-hmm. was a better movie than the Rollerball remake because the Death Race people got to see that kind of accident happen six years <laughs> earlier and go, oh, crap, Let's we not can't do, do that. that. Scratch yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, and, and it was a better cast, that, and that always helps. You, know, you have uh, Ian yeah. McShane and Jason Statham mm-hmm. and Joan Allen. Um, okay, so let's talk about direction, right? The, okay. Directing, because the most bizarre sequence in the film. The freaking night vision thing? Yeah. Uh, So, Colin, since you haven't seen it, at some point, um, really, after not very much happens, they start amping up the violence in the game, which, again, was not bloody. Some crabby documentary where, you know, they have the kids on the night vision mode of some stupid camcorder they bought at Target for 50 bucks. So, so Chris Klein and LL Cool J make a run for the border. 
to, to they're, they're going to get out because people are starting to get killed or, or right. hurt, you yeah. know? And the entire scene is filmed in night vision, not just from one character's perspective. All the scenes are yeah, shot. Yeah, I totally in thought night they vision. were just going to do the the jeep scene where yeah, you know, it's where it starts. It starts with the camera pointed at Klein and L Cool J. Mm-hmm. I thought it would end after they switched the scene. Yeah, and it didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It so just, the other problem uh, is you, you take Chris Klein from the U.S. He's mm-hmm. he's a hockey hopeful. He wants to get into the NHL, and he's risking life and limb right. doing street illusion in San Francisco, which. BS. I'm sorry. Yeah, if if you're sense. hoping to get into a professional, lucrative contract with an NHL team, you are not risking any kind you're of You're not injury. doing that crap. No. Yeah, no. But then LL Cool J recruits him and says you can make all kinds of money over there. So then, then he goes over there, and we don't see his rise to stardom. We see no. a few weeks, it seems, have passed, and he's the best player. And Didn't we don't say a couple of years have passed by then? I don't know. It seemed or maybe six months, months or something. Yeah, I don't, something like that. I can't I remember. Thought they had and I'm said not going six months later or some shit. Okay. Some stuff, sorry. I'll believe yeah. you. <laughs> so I went to look up who the screenwriter was. There are mm-hmm. two screenwriters. One of them has, an, has a Wikipedia page. His name is Larry Ferguson. Here's some of the movies he wrote. Highlander. That's a good movie. The Hunt for Red October. Ooh. The Presidio. What Beverly the Hills heck? Cop 2. And then his last movie wow. <laughs> is 2002 Rollerball. Guess what? There's nothing after that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why. Wow. <laughs> Black Ball Who was the other guy? <laughs> uh... Pogue, I think. Because how the heck Pogue? Did, that's just like uh, John Pogue, the director, right? McTiernan? John McTiernan. Yeah. Has he done anything since then? Well, he had a little issue with the government about paying taxes, uh, <laughs> yes. and, and yeah, he lost <laughs> since ninety nine or so. He has been a little occupied, been out of the game, yeah. out of the game. Right. He huh. should be released pretty soon. <laughs> oh, he's incarcerated. Yeah, they put wow. him in jail. Wow. Awesome. No, isn't this, didn't you say it was the same director as Die Hard? John yeah. McTiernan. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm you, saying. Those, you know what so it what was. What the hell happened? He, he claimed this as a huge loss on his taxes, and they're like, I'm sorry, a movie can't, move, can't lose that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it can. Uh, he probably still got paid for it. That's yeah. the thing. And, and, you know, I don't begrudge... Are you begrudge, sure you didn't get jailed for making this movie? Right. I, I don't begrudge <laughs> anybody in Hollywood for taking a paycheck. And No, you, know, you used to have to. But yeah. when you should do it, you should make good movies out of it so they continue giving you that paycheck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the movie you guys watched was so bad, you had to watch an extended cut of it with a bunch of extra nudity and other garbage in it that wasn't even in the right. original movie because they're hoping to throw that in and make the DVD sales cover their $50 million loss. Now, that's my story. Um, evidently, there was a theatrical cut that had the nudity and stuff in it, and it didn't play well with test audiences or something for some reason. And so they, <laughs> they cut it down to PG-13, maybe hoping to get teenagers in there who right. would enjoy just the sport aspect it of it. It would have been a cool sports movie if they had done the sport right. Yeah. But they didn't. And they screwed it up. But the cut with the nudity in it, the nudity all seems gratuitous. Yeah. I don't remember there being tons of language in it. There's not a real no, solid reason for really. it to be rated R. But yeah. if you're going to make it rated R, make it Tarantino kind of yeah. levels of they violence. They could have done that. Yeah, they could have done made them way more bloody than they did. Yeah. And at least yeah. like go to comedic levels. Right. Like hot fuzz. Just go all out on it. Yeah. 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 So here's a couple of choice quotes. One from a critic. A checklist shaped by a 15-year-old mall rat. Thrashing metal <laughs> tracks, skateboards, motorbikes, cracked heads, and Rebecca Romaine with her top off. And Roger Ebert says, An incoherent mess, a jumble of footage yeah. in search of plot, meaning, rhythm, and sense. And the author. I've never watched the 2002 incarnation of Rollerball and have no interest in it. Good on him. So yeah. what we're saying is, friends don't let friends watch Rollerball 2002. <laughs> yes. So I'm sorry, James. Right. I guess uh, you know, but I knew your yeah, wife was it's there all with your you. Fault. So, so make your bar bets. Go out and watch a boy and his dog instead. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. What what 1975 film would we have them? I, I mean, I'd certainly watch Death Race 2000 before this. Although content yep. warning, there's nudity in that one as well. <laughs> we're gonna we're, we'll find something. Actually, our next podcast has a 1970s movie. Yes. So and we will talk about that, which in a will bit. be better. It, almost certainly. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. I think I, I'm done yeah, ranting. We're kind um, of But yeah, seriously, <laughs> if you're out there and you're like, the movie cannot be as bad as they're saying, it's worse. It, it's it's really hard to describe the awfulness. As Homer Simpson said, I've seen movies suck before, but that was the suckiest suck that ever sucked. <laughs> all right. That wasn't it. Wasn't a direct quote, but. Yep. I'm I'm out. I'm tapped. Yep, that's all I got.
I, I could just berate the actors some more, but what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, horrible, horrible accents all over the place. Can't understand Jean Reno for and he's 90% supposed to be of the like, movie. Like, uh, he's supposed Kazakhstan to be like the Bartholomew character, right? Yeah. And you can't understand a dang thing he says. Yeah, okay, one other thing to rant about. The, at, <laughs> at the end, when, when uh, Jonathan goes on his rampage and starts killing people, right. you know, when he does the move to, to get himself into too. the stands. Well, yeah, the directing is all weird because there's jump cuts. Right. And yeah. I don't know if that was to, to reduce the level of violence, but I think I'm reducing sure. the level of violence was right. a mistake. At least they could have made it entertaining for how bloody it was. Right. Yeah. N- totally. not, not that I like bloody movies, but I'm just saying it would have been an improvement just having comedic levels of violence. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was thinking Kill Bill. That's comedic levels of blood. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like, like Django Unchained. And Tarantino. Oh, right. The, co- yeah. the collection. Tarantino, yeah. yeah. Commando. Yeah. Or I mentioned Hot go. Fuzz, right? Right. right. Where the, 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 the blood and gore in that one is True. to comic levels. <laughs> so I'm going to, I've got a bunch of reviews, blogs, podcasts and stuff of mm. about various incarnations of rollerball. And so I'll put those in the show notes. Okay. And and there there was an interesting one that was kind of the evolution of the rules of rollerball, a rollerball murder from oh, the story. Yeah. Um, so I'll throw that one up there too. Um, we should rank them. So I'll go first. Is that even necessary? <laughs> yeah, no, we got we to gotta do it. Um, boy, I, I do have a hard time. I mean, obviously the 2002 film is going right. to be the last. Right. I have a hard time deciding what comes first, you know, because... Audio, no, I got, audio yeah, version. I, I would say definitely go with the audio version of the story, but I think I preferred the movie. Uh, but if you're strapped for time, uh, the audio of the story will... will, right. will, will How long is the audio? Right At 20 maybe minutes, maybe. 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go movie just ahead of the story, and right. then, then the 2000 film, two film somewhere way down at the bottom. Yeah, ditto. If for nothing else, the movie poster. Right. I don't know. I, th- I thought that... I, I enjoyed the movie, but like I said, yeah. I, we watched the 2000s mm-hmm. version. <laughs> yeah, we, di- we didn't go in fresh. Colin did. So... <laughs> I think for a 70s movie, it wasn't too bad. So I'm going to go with movie, story, and the other thing. Yeah. Number so, three. So I've been following the Hugo Awards, because there's a great big conflict between really right. conservative people and really liberal people in the sci-fi community. Sad puppies and happy puppies. Sad puppies, <laughs> uh, rabid puppies, and the uh, social justice warriors. And uh, I learned something about the Hugos. Uh, the, they take a bunch of votes from people and they construct a slate for people to do final voting on. And injected into the slate is one called No Award, which means that you don't <laughs> think that any of these <laughs> any of these novels, deserve movies, screenplays deserve an award. Hmm. And I'm going to vote no award. Colin is abstaining from the vote. So yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't think it's worth your time. I'm sorry. In any incarnation. No, I mean okay. maybe for the purpose of just you know saying yes, I've read it. Check mark mm-hmm. because right. you have a reading list you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. But for like your own personal enjoyment or anything else. Well, I mean, if you're really into '70s science fiction, it's very much '70s science fiction from what right. I can tell. Um, that's that's kind of my opinion of it. It's very. If you go into it expecting 70s science fiction, you're going to get that. Yeah. Watch so, Buck Rogers instead. There we go. Right. So going back and forth <laughs> with, with Michael on, on Twitter and Facebook, he, it seems like he's a big fan of 70s science fiction. And so right up his alley. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I wanted to read. He, he posted on our Facebook page. And so you can go up and read it there at facebook.com slash pavementpodcast. But I'm going to go ahead and read what, what he wrote about kind of all three. He says... Rollerball, what can I say about it? A very short story adapted at least three times. Radio play, film, twice, the second adaptation holding the dubious distinction of being one of the first movies to get negative reaction on and have negative box office because of the internet reviews. Which, that's interesting. <laughs> evidently, evidently the early returns on the internet kept people away from the theater. <laughs> this is good for society. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so he he goes on. The version from 1975 does show its age, but it is still more entertaining than the remake, which appears to only pay lip service to the story, which, in short, is one of man's struggle as an individual in a world where corporations have become bigger than countries, and the main commodities are conformity to the corporations and the game. So, that was a good comment. So, thank you again, Michael, for sending us the suggestion um, just because we didn't love it doesn't mean it wasn't worth doing. It's still fun to record. And, and, and yeah. we, we, we've had some pretty animated talks while we were out there pounding the pavement. So Yeah. Um, well, and interestingly enough, we're not really arguing about 
who's right, how canonical. I right. Mean, yeah. We're way beyond that. Well, yeah. And I mean, that was kind of one of my things about the, the 2002 one was, I feel like the 1975 film is pretty faithful to the story. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it would be sort of hard to do one that's really faithful to it because the story is a little disjointed. And so right. a fresh interpretation of it might have been pretty awesome. But been. that's not what we got. That's not what happened. So, yeah. But given how the 2002 movie made, do you think anyone would ever touch it again? No. No, probably not. No. Not unless it's someone's pet project. Not unless yeah. someone rec- rescued it, like mm-hmm. uh, Schwarzenegger did uh, Total Recall. Yeah. yeah. I think if somebody was going to do it, they'd need to rename it. But And I, I would sort of like to see it go back where you're closer to what the story talks about the game where the ball is an right. obstacle and dangerous because they, like at some point they start using uh, balls that instead of being round or oblong. So, so they, they wobble. They're unpredictable. Right, yeah, the wobbly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah I think there's some untapped potential so much better. Yeah. You could say it's a precursor Fair. of the hunger games where yeah. it's, you know, mm-hmm. you versus the government, but it's explicitly spelled out in hunger games. And that part of the story, you're not left wondering. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I guess in a way it also kind of reminded me of gladiator. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Right? Except that Jonathan E. doesn't rally the people. No. Right? Well... Yeah, at the end he does. At the end he kind of does, but... Everyone else dies. Yeah, yeah, but the the audience is behind him. Right. The spectators. They start chanting his name, so... Yeah. You know, your results may vary. Your mileage may vary. So, and you know, if you want to uh, watch this and, and tell us um, why we're wrong about it and why it's just this incredibly awesome thing, <laughs> no, James and I ranked it ahead of anything else. The the movie, um, you can shoot us an email feedback at pavementpodcast dot com or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. And I have mentioned those earlier, so we'd love to hear from you. Why don't we talk about what we're going to do next? Next, we're going to do an uplifting movie about making society better. Um, at least making uh, households better (laughs) yeah so i wanted to check who who sent us the request now i the original request for covering our next topic came from emily yes our request was stepford wives yes by ira levin correct yep which has been adapted twice there is a 1970s version of the film and then there is a late 90s i think something with with matthew broderick and nicole kidman Yeah. yeah So that'll be interesting. I've never seen either film. I had never read the book. I have read it now. Um, Emily had seen the movie, I think, when she was younger. Like, adolescent, I think, was age-ish. We got a second request for the Stepford Wives. Somebody filled out our contact form. The name is Roger. I'm not going to try the last name. It looks French. The Geek Likes is is his handle. And put a whole list of, you know, cool movies that I'd love you guys oh, to yeah, discuss. Oh, yeah, I saw that Stepford Wives was on yeah, there, Yeah, right? Stepford Wives yeah. was in there, and so I'm yep. like, all right, that's two votes for yep. that, so let's let's hit that. So thank you, Roger, for that suggestion, and we will, by by the power of your suggestion and Emily's suggestion, that is what we're going to be doing next. Yes. So if you want to play along at home, you can find the book. It's a pretty brief book. Mm-hmm. It's almost almost like a novella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about 115, something like that, pages. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the pages are like little notebook True. index card size yes. pages. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think the version I had was 145 or something, but it read like it was it read pretty less. Quick. I read it yeah. in an afternoon. Yeah. And yeah. Th- Were you some... sober? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Actually, I might have been for that one. It's a good question. Yeah, and then, then there's the two movies to watch, of course. So, yes. And uh, let us know right. what, you, what you think. Um, there's some, we've had some fascinating discussions about the subtext of the book and, and, mm-hmm. and what it's really about. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to do some more reading. I found some interesting blog posts and stuff. Should be good stuff. But if you want to get a hold of us, use the aforementioned contact methods. Yes. Tweet us, face us, yep. email us. And we hope that uh, as you're listening to this, you have recently listened to our supercut of a year's worth of us being <laughs> morons. Um, that was fun to put that together. Awesome. So at some point, uh, I'll start listening to the ones from sort of the second. Was that just year. the one, the first year? I think it was pretty much the full year. Okay, um, that was pretty fun. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I, I used a couple things from Predestination, so I definitely went, it went into this year. So. Yes, you did, because I remembered the text. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's like seven minutes of of just us. Uh, right. Three idiots babbling. Yeah, pretty yes. much. Yeah. May the rose ride up to meet you, and may the rollerball not hit you in the head. Bless me, Father, for we have sinned. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, or, or may the road rise up to meet you, and may you never see 2002's rollerball. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Cheers. We'll see you next time. Take his um, his love life, for instance, right? If you want to call it that. Mm. Um, Seriously? Really?
they're like they're exerting their control. Like we can control you in this aspect. You know, yeah, it's one of them. God damn it! That means the battery. Uh, battery needs to be replaced. Yeah, I know. And then it'll trip for five minutes after you change it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I. <laughs> so we'll 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 talk about impressions of the story. I think next. Sure. Yeah. Somebody's supposed to say, I'm sorry, I don't do impressions. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So one other just sort of unfortunate thing just totally slipped my mind. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) LO Cool J recruits him and says you can make all kinds of money over there. I hope you caught that. Yeah, I hope I did too. (laughs) Um, Had my mouth open and everything. (laughs) Um, So 